This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 406, recorded on June 13th, 2019. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios. And here, Mike, I think spring has finally arrived. Like, beautiful. Like, the last couple days, this is what you live for in Nebraska, right? I'm hoping this continues into the weekend because it has been gorgeous. And we're going to a hot air balloon festival this weekend uh, south of here. And hopefully this weather sticks around because you're right. It's been absolutely perfect. Nice. Uh, we I sat out on the deck Sunday. I called my mom, and uh, she kind of stressed me out. So I grabbed a little bourbon, a little cigar, sat on the deck, got eaten alive. Like I, I lit all the bug things, you know, and I tried to get everything going. We've just had so much rain. Uh, the mosquitoes are pretty fierce, and uh, so not. I didn't stay out there as long as I wanted to. Trust me. Finished the cigar, right? So I finished it, but it was pretty brutal. I came in with a few bites, but. Um, hoping for it would be nice if it dry out a little bit and get a chance to use some of that deck and patio and you know about that fire the outdoor deck uh heater to kind of just ambiance it was i turned that on low and it makes a really nice fire up there so hopefully you're enjoying your uh spring time wherever you're at or fall if you're down below the equator of course we post a show with world class show notes each week out at theaverageguide.tv don't forget you can join us live on the mobile app every week or if you can't, if you're on the road, best way to join us is on one of those apps. It's absolutely free. Of course, our Patreon subscribers help sponsor that as well. I have a little note about Patreon here. I've got a question to ask Ron a little bit uh, later about that. But you can subscribe to that or download it right now, homegadgetgeeks.com. And then don't forget, join us on our uh, Discord group. That seems to be where everybody has moved, Mike, over to Discord. So theaverageguy.tv slash Discord gets you in. Ron is joining us tonight. Ron is a listener. He listens to us over on uh, Ask the Podcast Coach. He's a 3D printer guy, super big nerd. If you just look what's behind him, you'll kind of catch on to what he's into. Ron, welcome to Home Gadget Geeks. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be on. Good to have you, Ron. We know you because uh, you printed this uh, this big this big badge that sits right up above my left shoulder and has become kind of the prominent Home Gadget Geeks badge. You made some smaller ones, which I still need to get over to Uyghur. I just haven't been over to his house yet, but I'll get those. Did yeah, I bring them? No. I, Cigars okay. and those. It's on the list. I know. I we need to bring over to my place. It's too bad we live just 30 minutes from each other. I know. <laughs> Ron was kind enough to print these up for me and actually sent me a big group of them. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But but uh, Ron is up in Canada. Ron, where are you exactly in, in Canada? So I am in the uh, Kitchener-Waterloo area of uh, of Ontario, Canada. Is everybody as nice up there as they say? Is Canada really just like the nicest place on the planet? We are, but, you know, sometimes we can be, you know, just like the U.S., you know, but in a lot of <laughs> ways, you know, like, uh, I don't want to say anything bad about my U.S. friends because I have a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, we are pretty nice people. Yeah. And, and Ron, what do you do? I mean, um, you're a maker, right? I mean, a, a lot of the things that you do, you podcast about, you talk about. Um, what what kind of got you into the maker space? I mean, what what puts you out to just start creating things? Hmm. Well, I guess it all comes back to the days when my you know, uh, sorry, my dad used to do a lot of woodworking, 
So I guess in that sense, like I used to watch him work on stuff, build stuff, and it kind of got me intrigued. But I always remember being a kid wondering how things worked. I remember pulling apart old, well, not old, but brand new remote controls by accident because I was curious and then not figuring how to put them back together. So all that came into electronics. And then I started learning a little bit about 3D printing and what the whole idea was that you can make anything out of plastic. And I was like, that sounds interesting. And then my friend got one and I kind of got, I looked at a couple pieces, got hooked on the idea and was able to find this 3D printer for a hundred and um, 160 bucks. And after I built it and played with it and had it print a few things, I kind of got hooked. Is that when we, you know, when 3D printers first came out, they're pretty expensive and oh, they, the, right. The prices have kind of come down on those. You said 160, not too bad. Could, could the average guy, I mean, you've shown me and, and, and maybe I'll get some links from you on where you could go to the most inexpensive printers, but is that the right place? Like, a you know, like for folks buying drones, you buy the cheap ones first because you're going to break them. Right. And then you, and then you move up to the more expensive ones. With 3D printers, same thing? Does, should somebody, if they were thinking of getting into this, would they start inexpensive and work their way up? Or is it maybe better to go midway? Uh, with 3D printers, it could be um, really, really farce in, in prices. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. if you pay the big bucks, you know it's going to work. You're going to have less tinkering with it. With the ones that come from China, there is tinkering that's going to be involved, which means you might have to learn how you might have to be better at soldering or you might have to take your time just to understand it and put it together because a lot of the stuff that comes from China are kits, which means you have to assemble the printer piece by piece by piece. Hopefully there's no parts you have to print to put it together, right? Believe it or not, that is true. There are some times where we have to, but yeah. that comes into the very cheap ends of the printers. Right. But right. Well, we, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, with like with one of my printers I have, which is known as the Troxy X1, probably the cheapest printer you can buy for 125 bucks. it needs parts printed because it doesn't work without those printed parts. So you have to struggle with the printer to make it work and then make it print. So put it together, get it printing, and then replace some of those with printed parts, right? Kind of deal. So you can print the upgrades um, kind of right there. So if... For the average American or Canadian, uh, maybe even Australian, I don't know, it's sometimes, you know, getting these parts, you guys, we always joke that you guys pay twice as much for everything. Is it, is that also true? Is, is buying these in Canada twice as much or more expensive than here in the United States? Uh, yeah, it is because everybody seems to go by U.S. pricing. So give you an idea, the Canadian dollar is worth 75 cents. The American dollar is worth a dollar 33 so you do the math, we pay about 33% more to get these printers. Hmm. Um, Joe Paddock in the chat room, uh, he says he loves his, is it Prussia? P-R-U, Prussia, MK3. Is that what you said earlier? Is that, a, is that a pretty good one? That is one of the more higher end of the Spectrum printers. And it actually is a very good printer. Um, Prussia Research, which makes that printer, uh, they take everything and they basically work their like do everything to the printer they test it they run it they make sure it works and then they'll package it in a box and then ship it out to you in that case i like that idea and i know a lot of prusa owners that said you know you'll take it from their cold dead hands before they'll let you even buy it before they would let it out of their 
other site. So, so you said 126 on the cheap end, but if you talk, start talking about like the Prusias and and there's probably you know higher end ones, and obviously we're not talking about the ones that are in you know full production warehouses, but but for for an average person, um, what can you spend on a printer if you want to go into the high end? Like, what's a Prusia cost? What's kind of the highest end for a home user? Uh, Prusia would be up there. I've seen printers for up to a thousand dollars, even more. Okay, for the home user. And I've seen them as low as uh, $200 for a printer. Uh, Prusa would set you back about $799 if you had it sent to you. If you had it pre-built, if I remember correctly, I believe it's $1,400 right now. Okay. Wow. So then when we talk about these different, you know, as you scale up, right, from a $120 one all the way up to, let's say, a $1,400 one, for me, when I see the price difference, a lot of times, you know, I, cause I've done some just basic like Googling, right? Seeing kind of how I would, I, I could get into this. I see a big difference being in the size and what you can print, but what other things, what's, what makes a, a good printer, a good printer, maybe besides size? Quality. Um, mattering on how it prints out. Now looking at different prints, there are different qualities you can do. Um, with any type of slicer, you can set it for how much of a layer height you want. That's how much you want that each layer to be, how high you want it to print out. So take for instance, and I'm guessing the lower the height, the higher detail you can get because you're doing a, one layer at lower intervals. Correct. Okay. So something like this coin right here that I have right in my hand, this was printed at two millimeters. So layer height point two. And as you can see, uh, if you can get quality, it's good detail. You can see the detail. Detail's great. If you go to point one, it even looks sharper. Now, I know these webcams don't give us the best quality look at, but gives you an idea what you what these printers can do. So can so what was that printed on? What printer was that one on? This is printed on this is CR10. Yeah, this is the one I printed on the CR10. So that's our maker coin. And you said it was one centimeter? Uh no, one millimeter. Millimeter. Okay. So, so if you if you go on the low end, like a $120 printer, can it not go that low? I mean, are you limited? Maybe does it do three, four, five, or do they all generally start at a low end? You can go up to uh 0.4, but then you get what we call stringing. Uh, I get that a lot on my printers. I don't, and a lot of other people said they don't get it. And sometimes it matters on the slicer. Sometimes it matters on whatever product it is that we're using. Like okay. For to to make the file. So, mm -hmm. give you an idea. Uh, where is uh, Kira right here? So let me just pull up Kira for you guys here, so you guys can see what I'm looking at. This is Kira. So Cura allows me to take a design that's called an STL and allows me to print this object on my printer. So it turns it to another code that it can understand called G-code. Basically, it's computer code with coordinates that the printer can understand that allows it to know how much plastic it has to lay down and how much you want. So if you're looking up here at the very top, how I got it set for 2-4, usually we print, usually most people will print at point two. Point three, it comes out a little bit stringy, but still good. Point four, I find, is pushing it. And then I got to change all other settings, as you can see, just went in yellow. I was going to say, so the, do those other settings adapt as you're changing that layer height? Are those automatically adapting, or are you having to do some math on the back end to change those other settings? 
Sometimes you got to do some math on the other side, but okay. nine out of 10 times, what they're telling you is that they're saying, hang on, I can't print this with the settings you have right now. You're going to have to adjust them. Okay. Ron, in a, in a world here, I'll, I'll put this up. So you printed for us, and I've shown these before, these little coins. By the way, are these a thing in the maker community? In other words, do you, you sent me one of yours as well. We've, we've got that. Mike, I've got one for you as well. I'll bring that over. But um, is this a thing in the maker community? Do you guys do, you do this often? I mean, this is really cool to kind of have a, you know, to mm -hmm. have this uh, this coin or what do you call it? What would you call this? A we call maker coins. Okay, coins. Okay. Yeah. Um. Believe it or not, a lot of us do have our own different coins, but we all have different types of takes on them. So one of my good friends, Chris Riley from Chris's Basement, this is his maker coin. Oh, look at that. Multicolor printing. So he's using uh, one, two, let's see, one, two, three, four colors. And, and how long do you think does it take him to print that? I would say approximately maybe... Mm, Depending on how the purge block is, uh, you're probably looking at about maybe two hours per print. So not too bad. And yeah. four different colors. Does he have a special printer that allows for different colors at the same time? Or is he having to reload the plastic each time for well, different colors? He did that on the Prusa MK3 using something called the MU22, which is an option that you can get for the MK3, which allows you to do multicolor prints. Okay. The only bad thing about multicolor prints is you end up with a purge block. So what a purge block is, is all the multicolors that you have pushed through your extruder to enable you to print in those colors. So as a color goes through your nozzle, it can sometimes dye the nozzle. So it takes a longer time to push color through. Red, when I do my red and white coins, I have to have a big purge block between the red and the white because the red is so much more dominant that the white doesn't show up as well. Okay. That and does that sense. purge block end up in the actual printing that you're making? Or is that a, do you, is it, is it making a block over to the side or how's it, how's it, where is that block? Where is that? Usually the block is off to the side in the upper right hand corner. Okay. So it, it sends the nozzle over there to do a little block to get that stain out or whatever it is. And then it comes back to the main object it's printing. That is correct. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. Ron, so for a coin like ours that you made, what's what's the print time on something like this, and how much kind of how much material does it does it make to take one of these? Well, that coin itself uh, takes about one hour to print because I'm actually have to change filament manually. I don't have a multi printer option. You, unfortunately, you got green on top. It's hard to see on this, but you got green on top with a white a white filler on the inside. It's like an Oreo cookie, except it's green, right? <laughs> Similar to that. Yeah. yeah. So what it is, is that I used uh, two different types of filament. I used the same filament. Uh, it's known as PLA. Uh, Proacic. I'm trying to remember what the, the full definition is, but what it is, is a, it's an actual filament that is, can be biodegradable. So, oh, interesting. You know, safe on the earth, better on the earth. But what it does is to make that coin specifically, I had to use two different filaments. So the first filament run I would run would be green. That takes approximately um, let's say about 15 minutes, then pop it out, pop in my white run, white runs, then pop out white, then pop back in uh, the green. So you've got like about 15, then 
30, then another 15. And it, does it just stop for you and wait? Because it's so it's going to run, stops yeah. for you. You change the filament, goes, starts again. Yeah, it goes, and then it starts screaming at you like an alarm clock, telling you, you know, hey, change my filament. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, then change it done with the filament. Then this has been kind of the interesting thing for me. So when you're printing different objects, something like a coin, uh, maybe you're not care, you don't care as much about. Um, I don't know the right correct scientific term for it, but like, let's say I could maybe bend that a little bit. But let's say I'm printing a part that needs to be have a little more stability to it, a little rigid. Does is that all dependent on the thickness of what you're printing, or are there different filaments that have different? I don't know, like tensile strength, maybe is the right. I don't know what the term is, but more dense, and so they can hold a little bit more, especially if you're using it for something that maybe is going to have some weight on it or going to have some friction with it. Well, okay, let's. That's a good question because you're asking about two different things here. Okay. See, I figured I didn't know what I was talking about. So, <laughs> oh, that's okay. Honestly. So, you know how we buy soft drinks like these? You know, they're in a plastic bottle. Yeah. The plastic's called Pet G. We print with Pet G, and this is a Pet G spool. Uh, let me get this open here so you guys can see what a spool looks like here. So, that's a spool right there, a filament. Oh, that's that about one kilo. Okay. So same five. same plastic our two liter bottles are made out of. Yep. That that's the material right there. Yep. Okay. Then we have ABS. And ABS reminds me of maybe something like you'd see in in uh, a, a really rigid pipe or something like that. Yeah, and that's yeah. what this is right here, yeah. ABS. This is just has me a yellow color, but ABS is both have good strength so you look but they're also flexible so they do have a little bit of flex to them PLA is comes in the same type of container same everything as, as this one is but it is more uh, rigid and more stronger but if you're looking for like a really strong solid hard print nylon is the way to go but oh. nylon can be very hard to print with and that comes into a fun factor is that with nylon, because it's hyperscopic, it absorbs water out of the air. So you're constantly trying to keep it dry. So you can't, like, if you had, like, nylon just sitting out for, like, two hours, it could absorb enough water that can make it unusable. Mm. Wow. And filament does, water does get attracted to filament. And so do you, do, you have, do you have areas that you store it that are that are dry, or do you have to come up with something to do that? Most of us do store them in Ziploc bags or we uh, use little containers that contain silica. Uh, this is silica right here, gel. And we'll build like a container for it, pop it inside the bag to keep it uh, fresh. Okay. And and what kind of humidity? I mean, what's what's too much humidity? We Later in the show, we're going to talk a little cigar humidity. And of course, that we want about 70%. What what kind of humidity do you want to keep those things at? The drier, the better. Okay. Let's just put so that way. As I, low as you can go, right? Yeah. I try to keep my basement at uh, around 40 to 50, if that. Okay. okay. That's where my printers are. And that's one of the silica gel holders that I printed hmm. for myself. Okay. And we try. I try to keep my room that less humid just to, you know, prevent any type of uh, wetness filament, because if your filament gets wet, then you got to dry it. Drying's the fun part. Right. 
So I'd assume as you use, so, oh, actually real quick then. So on the coins you made for us, what are those made out of? Which one of those three? They were that is made about? out of PLA. PLA. And that's the two liter bottle of plastic. No, uh, Petri is the two liter bottle. Oh, okay. Okay. There's three different types we talked about. Gotcha. Yeah. So then do you have to tell the printer what type of filament you're using? Does it affect how hot it gets to melt it or does it change any of those settings? Yeah, actually it's not the printer that does it. It's the G code that you write. Interesting. So, um, depending on like, if I go back in, like if I pull up Kira for you guys again, just give me a second here. Switching so back and forth the cameras. When you're designing something like, like, let's look at this little ship here. So you create, or someone created this, right. And you got the file to pull that in. Um, when they're designing that, do that, does it matter? Do they have to know what you're going to be printing with, or can you design something and then print it with whichever material you want? You can design and then print it with whatever you want. Okay. I find there are some people out there that say, well, you can't really do that, but I've never had a problem with that. So if you look at the top here where I got my mouse over, it says material. Yeah. Okay. So if I go down, come on. Oh, you're going to do that to me. Of course, it's going to lock up on you, right? When you're trying to present it. Well, what it's doing is it's moving my screen over to my other screen, which is Oh, weird. gotcha. Shouldn't be doing that. Uh, I'm going to have to, I don't know why it's doing it. It was working today, but what it does, <laughs> it brings out a list and then you select the type of plastic you're going to be using. Okay. So say PLA, Petchy, Nylon, ABS. And that's about it that I can think of right now. I think Polo Platic, uh, plastic called PP. And I believe there's another plastic um, that's its initials. And there's one other one. I can't remember the name of it. But mattering on the type of plastic we're going to be printing with, it will actually give you an idea of what type of heat you would need. Okay. Most companies will actually put on the back of the box how much heat you need. Like, say, for instance, going back to this box here for 3D fuel, they say their heated temperature should be around 240 to 260 Celsius. Wow. These printers are getting hot. Yes. Like, I remember, you got to make the plastic molten so it can actually form whatever you're building. Right, right. So then you're setting that in Cora, you're setting which plastic, and then that's it? That's all you have to set? Or does that tell you then a setting you have to change? Like like you just said, it knows maybe 240. Is there another setting you change later when you're going to actually print it? Well, some people like to print hotter. Some people like to print colder. Oh, you can on... manually set that? Yes. Okay. So I print at, uh, whenever I work with PLA, I try to stick around 200 to 215. Sometimes you have to go hotter depending on the type of plastic that you're trying to melt. So these things, I mean, do these pull some juice? I'm imagining the power supply and, I mean, is this something that your lights start to flicker when you start to print? <laughs> no, I haven't had that yet. And apparently uh, another printer by the name of Maker Muse uh, did a test on how much power they draw. And they don't really draw that much power. Interesting. Well, okay. you think, Mike, it's probably a pretty small area that they actually have to get really hot. That's a good there. point. This isn't like a hair dryer yeah. that's heating, no. you know, doing yeah. that much. Uh, Trying to heat up the air around it yeah, and all right. the right. You got you have a pretty pretty finite um, spot. So that's yeah, that's going to be one of my questions too, Ron. Was like, do these things? You know, if you're doing a lot of printing, would you see a notice or would you notice a difference in your electricity bill um, just because of all the of maybe the power those heaters are pulling? You might, uh, depending on how many printers you have yeah. now. The uh, wattage, I think, was about, um, they said, as uh, my, as 
Mike just put out there, Joe did. He just said his Prusa runs is running at 100 watts, like a 100 yeah. watt light bulb. Yeah, which is what it's you never notice it. Yeah, you never no. notice it. No, no, not that. Now, no. here's actually one hot end to show you guys the idea of a hot end. So, here would be a nozzle. I don't have a nozzle on here because I pulled this out of my printer, it's an old one. But as you can see here, that's the heater block. So okay. this whole block here would, would heat up. Right in here is the heater cartridge that would fit inside of it. It's just a little round, little surgical thing. goes in, and that's how you heat up your, uh, as your plastic comes through here, it gets heated up and then comes out in the nozzle. So yeah. a cartridge, is that something you have to replace often? Uh, sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Uh, matters on the printer, matters on how long you've run it. If you're noticing weird type options, then you might have to change it. Okay. It varies in, in ways. Ron, Kevin in the chat room is asking any recommend uh, recommendations on printing on top of another plastic part, or would it be best to print them and glue them to the base material? Which would you, could you, could you print on top of something or is that just e easier just to glue it together? Okay. So there's a little bit of questions that would have to sure. be asked. Yeah. Are we talking PLA on PLA? Are we talking PLA on, on PETG? Depending on the type of plastics you print with, you can crazy glue them together, but some plastics don't like each other. Like if you try to put, if you try to print, say, uh, PLA, and then you want to print a ring of PETG, that would not stick. That okay. you'd have to super glue together. Um, if you're doing a print on one printer or print on another printer, then yes, you can glue those, you can glue them. It's really hard to explain because it's more of a visual question. I would have yeah. to have a look at the plastic, see how it was printed to get an idea if you can. Right. So there are some objects where I can print this. The other piece I need to print. Well, is, it, tell us what you're showing for those folks listening on audio. Okay. So right now I'm just holding a plastic part. This is mm -hmm. just a sample from a video game, uh, Final Fantasy 15. Um, I forget what they call these, but basically your health and your energy of printing this for a friend as a prop. Mm -hmm. So this part here is um, made out of uh, just everyday PLA. The next piece I was printing was going to be made out of Pet G because Pet G has a little bit of give so it can look like you're crushing it. it won't break but you can actually try to crush it in such a sense. That would be printed on with different plastics. Those two plastics can't talk to each other, so I would be using something like super glue to hold it together, and hopefully it would stay. Okay. Is uh, super glue your friend in in a lot of cases? Do you do you find you use it quite a bit? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in a part like the in a part like the uh, the coin you made for us, all the same material. So print, set it, change it, print it again, and it sticks because it's the same material. And it's all in one shot. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this, by the way, you might, if you're listening on audio, you might want to stop and head over to the video. Uh, Ron leaves a hole, right? That's how you do this is you, you don't print the home gadget geeks logo as well as the words down below. Then those come through on the, on the white. Could you do the center black? Would that, would that also work to have, it looks better white, but could you do black as well? Yeah, I can. I can do whatever color you wanted in the center. Yeah, no, I like it white, but I just kind of wondering, you know, somebody wanted it dark, uh, pretty easy. One of the things I noticed here, you did, you did the AG, right? The average guy, again, hard to see on the video, but maybe you can see it. You did the average guy logo on the side. Uh, that's, uh, 
I mean, that's a real 3D, right? You got to kind of line that up. You do that in the software, you grab that font, bring it in and kind of say, just don't print in these spaces. How hard is it to get that on the side like that? It can be a little tricky. Um, let me just open up the, because I did that in a CAD file. So I'm just trying to figure out which CAD file has the original. Look, and that's CAD. That's not the one I'm looking for. Sorry, guys. I do, nope. know, I do know this. No, you're doing, you're doing great, Ron. No worries. No worries. We're, we're not like we're going anywhere tonight. We're okay. okay. <laughs> we're okay. Just drinking wine and talking about 3D printing. That's what we do. That's okay. what we do here. There it is. Look at this. So I'm using a program called Tinkercad when I was designing your coins. A little bit of, uh, first I used 3D Builder. Uh, 3D Builder is something free from Microsoft gives you. I think I've played with that one. Or I, I at least downloaded it and tried to look at it, and then I was instantly confused. <laughs> well, I got 3D Builder open right here. So uh, let me go open. Let's open this one right here. So there's your logo, and there's there's the title of the com of the whole show. The way I import that is using a program called it's just importing a picture. This is the kind of nice little thing because it'll turn any picture that I want into a 3D object. Then I can take that 3D object and then I throw it into Tinkercad. And this is Tinkercad right here. So it shows me the 3D object clear. As you can see, there's the glasses right there that I put in. Dude, that's freaking cool. I'm just um, that that right there, that, yeah. that view right there is really cool. So that's the whole coin itself. Let me blow this up so people can see it. This is definitely one of those episodes, guys. If you're listening on the audio, come over to the video and, and check out what he's showing us. So he's taking us through. He's showing us the actual software. We're able to see what he's doing to build these, these models. So what I did is I brought the, the title in here. I also had to build the block in... Um, in the Microsoft program, because the problem is it could not build the block in Tinkercad. Tinkercad. So what do you mean by building a block? So when I was making that, some, so if I wanted to say I wanted to print the object, yeah, well, let me just get rid of this here. So go to object, insert. So I go to insert here, and all here I have different formats. So hexagon was not available in Tinkercad. So I went in here, made one hexagon, brought that into Tinkercad made the logo, brought it back into Tinkercad so I could adjust it and make it work. Gotcha. Okay, so you made the actual coin shape in 3D Builder and then took that into Tinkercad. Exactly. Okay. And Tinkercad then produced this for me. Now, as you can see, there are three lines. There's a line here, line here. That's your bottom. This is your top. Now, everything that's done in 3D printing measurements are going to be by millimeters. Uh, let me see if I can pull up one of these. That's a good thing the United States uses the metric <laughs> metric system. Then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys mostly use Imperial still, don't thanks, you? Thanks, US. Yes. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, this tells me it's twelve millimeters tall. The length of it's going to be six hundred two. This one turned out to six hundred, but I recorrected that. It didn't say the say the format information. I got moved a little. But what I did is I actually measured everything out. Gives me the measurements of what I'm looking at. And then once you start designing, you just start uh, playing around with settings or whatever. You can even manually set it. Say I wanted uh, to be 30 by... And you're doing all this in a web browser. 
That is correct. Wow. And this is free. Okay. To so anyone what is, that wants to use it. What does Tinkercad give you that 3D Builder doesn't? More control. Um, don't get me wrong. I love Microsoft. I love what they do. But as a um, as a program, it can be a little bit cumbersome. Yeah, I also had some problems where when I'm designing things, I can't seem to get them level properly so that when I print them, uh, think of a... Okay, I'm just trying to think of an object here. There we go. So say my coin, for instance. Um, let me go back to me. So my coin, for instance. It was doing this, where I would have two spikes hanging down. And it made it lopsided, so I couldn't print this properly. Hmm. Threw it into your CAD, to some editing, cutting, cropping, which TierCAD allowed me to see what was going on. And I got leveled, and then I was able to print it, and it turned out perfect. So there are some things that Microsoft's 3D Builder does great, and then there's some things it does terrible because Microsoft's not working on it anymore. They kind of made it, and then they've never gone back to it, which is kind of a shame because I love to see them work on it because it is such a great, powerful tool that it could be something else. They, right. they had made a commitment to a bunch of 3D tools that then they kind of lost interest in. Even, you know, there was 3D paint that they were working on. I think they thought 3D was going to be the future. It didn't quite go as far as they were hoping and uh, and and really haven't maybe have not come back um, to this as well. Um, so Joe, Joe P. Uh, Paddock says, um, tell you what, 3, 3D printing has helped me learn the metric system better. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's not that hard. It's just relative. It's just figuring out like what is a millimeter, what is a centimeter, not not what do they mean because that's pretty easy, right? Everything's you know if everything's power of ten. It's but it's that reference point. You know how long is a meter? You you, you say to an American a foot, and they kind of have some idea. You know it's about this far. An inch is about that far. So it's just kind of learning um, those um, pieces as well. Uh, Canada uses the metric system, so no issues there so how did you so um so how did you get so you were showing that but what did you do did you have to import this this these glasses or this is ag for average guy right did you have to import that in and then kind of flip it on its side to get it to see that and then yeah so you basically just say don't don't print anything here is that kind of what you do well when i brought in the glasses so i'll show you how i did that so going back to 3D Builder here, I basically opened up 3D Builder and I went looking for your picture, uh, one with the glasses on it, which I'm going to see if I still have that file sitting here. Because like I said, uh, note, I lost everything in the download. Uh, something happened to my computer and everything got lost. Yeah, so no worries. You no apologize for not having it up no there. No worries, Yeah. But If you can't find it, not a big deal. Yeah, well, I brought the picture into here, and then I would automatically just manipulate it. But okay. if you want to see it, what it looks like outside of this. So I'm going to ungroup this. And grouping allows me to put things in and out. So there's the glasses right there. Uh, come on. Let me... Okay, you're going to do that. No, I don't want to group. Ungroup that, please. So is it almost like, okay, so you brought the object in, obviously it was solid, and is there, is there a way to make it almost a reverse of a solid where it yeah, takes so that shape out? 
this is what we call is a hole. So the hole would allow me to put the object into the object and make an indent. Okay. Where if it was solid, it would print that sticking out. Gotcha. So I decided hole would be better. Well, looks like uh, Tinkercad makes that relatively simple. It does. Tinkercad is one of the most simplest CAD programs. And I always recommend it to people who are getting into CAD to go give Tinkercad a try because it's simple. It just makes things so much easier. And once you got the, and you can actually get an idea of the design. There's other programs out there made by the same guys called something called Fusion 360. Fusion 360 is pure CAD. I get lost in it all the time whenever I'm working in Fusion 360. I find usually I end up going back to Tinkercad because it just makes it simple and clean. Okay. And I find that once you get used to 3D printing, like my friend has told me, play around in Tinkercad, build new items. And I've been building in Tinkercad for a long period of time. I haven't had a need to move over to Fusion 360, but I have used Fusion 360 and gotten some amazing print, some amazing designs come out, but nothing I've, I haven't made anything I need to print yet because everything I need is on uh, Thingiverse. It seems someone's already designed it. Someone's already come up with an idea. So like, Thingiverse now, we've I think that's the first time we kind of brought that up. So Thingiverse, as compared to some jumping into something like Tinkercad where you're you're building it out yourself, Thingiverse is almost like a repository for, like, for example, you could upload what you created for our coin to Thingiverse, and Thingiverse is the completed file. You literally just grab it and, and your printer prints it. That is correct. So Tinkercad here, which I'm going to bring up on the screen, uh, sorry, it's a Thingiverse, is a repository for everything 3D printing. You want something, you can find it here. Um, give me an idea. Um, something that you would think you would need to print. Um, let's look for a... Uh, well, let's look for the ring doorbell bracket. Okay. So type in ring... Just ring doorbell or something. P-E-L-L. There's the ring doorbell angle brackets, every single one of them that someone has come uh, out with. Actually, I said the wrong brand. I'm really curious. Do they have Simply Safe? S I N P L I Safe? Sure. Let's try it. How's that again? S I M P L I and Safe, all one word. Okay, sorry. I'll put that together. I wonder if there's anything for any of these cameras or doorbells. It's not as popular yet, so I'm... Oh, yeah. Wow. And some of the exact stuff that people have been looking for. Yeah. Ron, oh, why, why is a lot of the... left right angle that... Uh, is exactly the one I've been, <laughs> I've been needing right there. Is that blue oh, one. Oh, boy. Uyghur's buying a 3D printer this weekend. I think so. I think I might have to go <laughs> grab one. Ron, why are all the parts blue? Not all of them, but why do I see blue as an option a lot? Is that... Is that a color, you know, see right there? Is that just, or is that just a design color? In other words, is that something really common that uh, it's designed in? Well, design color is chosen by the program itself, but mm -hmm. as you can see, they use it so you can look at it. Got, uh, it. Got it. You know, make it more visible. And even in Tinkercad, you can play around with these things and have a 3D view so you can see what angle they're at, what type of screw holes they, they you need. Everything is on this. Allows you to view it before you actually go, mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I need. Mm -hmm. And that's where I can imagine, you know, the, the screw holes being a perfect example. Creating something like, like this from scratch takes a lot of time. 
I, I can imagine. I mean, maybe maybe not for an advanced person who has done this all their life, but you know, if if it was me, I found a new object I need, and maybe this is my first, second, third time using Tinkercad, jumping in there and doing all the measurements to make sure you have all the screw holes that line up. Um, you know, like what are some other tools that make this stuff easier? Let's say I know generally what I need to make. You know, what kind of stuff do you use to help you in that process? Believe it or not, it's in this little black box. Oh, everyone's got a fun little black box. I want to know what's in yours. <laughs> calipers. Digital calipers. These okay. things have saved my bacon so many times because we need to know how much a hole, how big the hole is. You can easily find that out. You can measure how far you need to make the holes. So when you're looking at this and you're going, okay, so I need it to be about 42 millimeters across from each other. I can make a mark on my computer and say, right here at 42, drag a line down, match that line and pop it another 42 and pop that circle right there. And I can adjust it in any of the programs. And that's how we can measuring it with calipers makes it a lot easier when you're trying to figure out that print. Right. Okay. Take for instance, uh, the coin I was printing for you guys. I basically went through three other coins. I was going, okay, how big is this one? That one's that width. Next one is how big? Okay. Roughly how far are they usually? And I'll be measuring all that on the calipers. Then I was able to take that information that I measured from these and was able to import that into my program to get you to get that cube to be the right size when I'm working on it. Hmm. And how I, those calipers I imagine are pretty accurate. Uh, yep. Uh, I've had nothing. These calipers have been pretty, are pretty accurate. What's I the, think. what's the brand on those, Ron? So this is a cheap pair from, um, inexpensive, company, very exp inexpensive, inexpensive. From, yeah. From Canadian Tire, or as we like to call them, okay. uh, different brand, different name altogether. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then add Tire at the end. But it rhymes with, let's just say it rhymes with the word. It has, it starts with the letter C. Let's just okay. keep it. There we go. <laughs> Good enough. And um, these cost me about 30 bucks. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, uh, this is kind of like one of those designer tools that you'll never get out of my cold, unless I'm dead, then you can get them. But they stay in my hands all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing them range on Amazon, uh, you know, between seven dollars and this this one, uh, forty dollars. So not not terribly expensive, right? To be able to yeah, kind of thirty get to forty dollars is a good range to okay. pay for calipers, and that okay. means you're getting some really good, high quality ones. Yeah, or you can go to Harbor Freight and get them cheap. Yeah, uh, Joski <laughs> says uh, I got a cheap one from from Harbor Freight. I, I guess it depends on how accurate, how much you're going to use them, what are you going to use them for, right? Um, just like any tool, you know, you, if you're going to use a screwdriver once, just buy the cheapest thing you can find. If it's going to, you're going to make a living off of it. You get the, you know, you get the one that's, uh, you get the, the really good one. So I never would have, I'm glad you brought that up. We hadn't talked about that in the pre-show and that's probably your, your most, you're dependent on that tool for everything. Anything else tool wise you're using for these? Besides your computer hard drive, of course, you want well, to make sure computers back up your the second stuff. One. Back up your Print, stuff. Yeah. yeah and uh -huh. filament also. Right. It's yeah. Important. Yeah. And those um, as well. Ron, you had mentioned in pre-show a little bit about the maker community. And and certainly when we went uh, Thingiverse, and that is kind of a visual representation of how generous the maker community is. Do you find that across the board? You know, 
from for, for a long time, the open source community on the software side, some success, some, you know, a lot of the companies that came out were closed source. In the maker community, pe people pretty uh, generous with both their designs. Are there people selling them? How's that work? Well, in a lot of respect, yeah, there are people that sell models. There are people that make money at this. There are some of us that do it for a hobby. Uh, there's some of us that do it because we just love it. Um, I'm just trying to think of the best. There are, well, it really matters on the person themselves. Some people will sell their, will just put it out for free. Other people, because they spend a lot of time on it, they may charge for it. Depends on each person. Like there's different repositories. Now, this is the biggest one is Thingiverse. We also have a repository called Cults. Cults, some people put prices on their stuff. Some people don't. Like uh, one I'm working on right now from, uh, I've downloaded this from Maverick Designs and someone asked me to print this for them. So I'm actually working on this right now. It's a Sailor Moon uh, full model. So that is just the head alone. Mm. It is very fine detail that was pointed at uh, 0.12, uh, taking into consideration what we call magic numbers, which is another story, which is a long, long, long story to talk about how that works. But the detail that I got off of this, I don't know if it's the details. The detail looks really clean. Now, are you cleaning that up after it prints, or is that straight off the press? No, that is after I cleaned it up off the print. Okay. So what would be around that would be something called supports. And depending on the type of support you use would depend on uh, what you selected in your printer. And then you'd just pin, spend time breaking off supports. Okay. And they're just used there as a weak point to support a weaker point. So with the hair, I don't know if it can pick this up too well, but for her hair, you can see under there, it is not attached to the main base. There's a, there's a, there is space in between it from the face to where the yeah, hair yeah, line can, is. I can see that. And because it's not attached to anywhere, it needs some way to be supported. So those plastic pieces would go up to support it. And as you peel it off, it you you get a clean break and you don't see any of the uh, connection where it was attached to. Hmm. So then in a print like that, how many different pieces are you going to have to print to put that all together? You did just oh, the head yeah. and then is it head, torso, legs? Head, torso, legs, arms, hand. Um, so I think it's about 24 pieces altogether. Wow. And then is it just standard super glue that you're using to put those together? Or is there a special plastic glue that works best? Well, right now I am testing out a new glue. This stuff here. I haven't had a chance to crack it open yet to use it. But I picked this up at uh, one of the maker places, one of the festivals that happens for 3D printers. And it's known as 3D Gloop. Their glue, their their idea of their glue is basically it comes, it will actually cause PLA to melt and mold and weld together, kind of like what acetone will do to any plastic. If you use acetone on plastic, it'll automatically kind of make it weld together. I did not know that about acetone. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, it's. It's amazing what you can find on there, but sometimes, yeah, you may, for what you want, you may have to pay for it. Sometimes you don't. You just got to search for the product that you're looking for. Ron, in the maker community, you'd, you'd put a post. I think it was in our Discord group. There's been a little, 
there's been some rumblings and some and some uh, uh, some discord. Let's put it that way in our discord group. What's going on in the maker community around uh, one of the major players? Oh, uh, you're talking about uh, Meg Magazine yeah, closing yeah. the doors. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of us been talking about, we're not really sure what's going to happen in the maker community on that one, because not only did they close their doors, but the guy that runs maker itself has, was also the head of running the something called maker fair, which was an investment that people would pay into to get the name that they can use the maker fair name to promote their um, fair. Well, because Maker closed doors, but Maker Fair is still owned by this guy, we have no idea what's happening. Some people are saying the worst that this is the end of Maker Fair, so that we're not going to see another one. Mm. But it leaves a question: What's going to happen to the little guys that use the name Maker Fair, and what's going to be happening with the Maker Fair community? Because we also have the big one that's going to be happening. I believe it's in October. Is no, sorry, November. Or is it September? It's one of those months. Hmm. We have the big Maker Fair in New York City. Now we don't even know if New York City Maker Fair is going to happen because of this news and information that kind of went viral. Yeah. What? What do we know? Why or what? You know what? What happened there? We don't know. Okay. Uh, they've kind of left us out in the dark. They just said, yeah. "I guess it's just a run of money." They didn't yeah. make enough money, and we're able to continue. How common are maker fairs around? I, I'm assuming there's these from medium size to small maker fairs that happen all around the country, probably internationally. And then they license that word. Is that kind of the maker fair idea to be able to use it? Is that how it worked? That was the way that the maker fair was doing it, that you right. would have to pay a licensing fee to use that name. That's why we have many other different types of fairs popping up. Um, companies like... Um, one of the big maker fairs that, that happens that 3D printed only related was MRF, uh, otherwise known as the Midwest uh, Rep Rap Festival. That's what we call these printers, Rep Rap. And everybody, when I mean everybody, I mean everybody that's involved in the 3D printing community shows up to these events. This year alone, we had uh, Thomas Sandlander. He's from Czech Republic. We had... Um, CNC Kitchen, which is from, I believe he's in Australia. We had um, Maker Noob, a 3D Maker Noob. He's from Malta. And then we had also the usual player, uh, Joe Telling, who's known as a 3D, ma 3D printing nerd. He was also there too, but he said that one all the time. We also had uh, people that you might know, um, like uh, Barnacles. He was there. Uh, oh, there. yeah. Yeah, he was down there. I'm a down big fun. fan of his YouTube. Yeah, I got to meet him. We talked a little bit. I got to interview him. But, you know, we, we all go to these events just to have fun, talk to each other. It's like a, it's like a whole family get-together. Mm -hmm. But there's also that community. Like, we like to print plastic. We like to work with plastic. Oh, sorry. Tom and CNC are from Germany. My mistake. Thank you so much, uh, Joe Paddock. I made a mistake on that one. But we go to these events just to talk to each other, just to find out what's new. And you can make new friends. It's an amazing community. Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a lot. I mean, it's kind of like you know, we've we've done some tech community stuff here around our podcast and a lot of the guys that listen to Home Gadget Geeks, uh, Home Server Show before that reset uh, podcast. Um, we've gotten together in Indianapolis the last, I think, six or seven years. And it's it's a great time, right? Get together, share ideas. 
does everybody drag their 3d printers along? I mean, do you, do you haul that out and set it up? Is that what happens? Oh yes. A lot of us actually do bring our own 3d printers and yeah. some of them bring big printers. Like, uh, someone was turned a 3d printer basically using one of those racks that you would cool, uh, food on, you know, like a, those cookie rack sheets. Yeah. Yeah. Someone used one of those racks and turned it into a 3d printer. Really? Ran right on the racks uh, using wheels the whole nine yards. Wow. Oh, so it used the, used the metal slats to kind of, to move around on those. That's correct. That's cool. Yeah. No, that's super cool. Ron, why did you, why'd you do this? I mean, this is, first of all, thank you for, you know, we've been, we've been talking about this, you and I for, I don't know, three, four months, maybe as yeah. you, if you put this together and, you know, thanks for, you just send them to me. Uh, and I appreciate that. But what, what, what kind of, what kind of drew you to do this? I mean, it, it's a lot of work. You probably get, you probably have hours just in making the design work. And I know um, you printed these several times though, right? You kept sending me pictures. You're like, oh, I didn't get it just right. You know, here's a picture of one I didn't get done. What, what was it kind of the challenge or what made you want to do this? Yeah, just for fun. Yeah. Believe it or not, a lot of us design stuff for fun or we just design it because we feel that we need something like that. When I was yeah. designing your coin, I kind of looked at it and I went, you know what? Your logo was simple enough that I was able to put into the printer and I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll design a coin just for the fun of it. Mm -hmm. And actually, as I was working in it, designing it, coming up with an idea, you know, basically pen and paper, first of all, was just drawing out everything with what I wanted to do. And then once I put it into the computer and started, mess started playing with it, it was more of a learning how to do new more things with, with it is what came, came out of that. But it was more for, I wanted to see if I could get it, what I could do with that logo and, you know, see what I can do. Yeah. You sent me a bunch. I've got, I still have some from the first batch. I'll just show Ron sent me this envelope and we got a bunch that is in here. Ron, I've been, I've been considering, you know, uh, giving them away for, uh, for Patreon subscribers. So if you're at a certain dollar amount uh, and I can get your address, I'd mail you one. Um, any new subscribers? I haven't figured that out yet, so I'll, I'll announce that somehow, uh, maybe in the next pot. First of all, you'd be okay if I did that to go right to help kind of pass these around. Go right um, ahead. That's and, what we print them for. And and I owe you a little bit for postage and and whatever material. So we'll, ah, we'll get that. Don't worry about that. We'll get we'll get that to you as well. Um, but I'm kind of wondering, chat room, if if we did something like this through Patreon, just trying to kind of think. I'd love to get these distributed. I mean, these are a great. These are really cool. Chat room, would you? Who in the chat room would you guys be interested if we did something like that? I'm just trying to make sure I've got enough to cover cover postage. They're not very heavy, to be honest with you. I imagine these will these won't be that much more expensive than maybe uh, uh, maybe twice what a letter here in the U.S. Maybe a little more expensive if I got to get it to Canada or Australia. I don't I don't know how to mail to Australia. Australia, I got to figure that one out. They're super light, and uh, so let me know in the chat room. That's okay, Ron. If I do that. Go right ahead. That's what I built them for. No, I, I'm I appreciate so excited it. to see it in person too. I'm pumped. Yeah, I know. Super cool. Let us know in the chat room, Ron. Anything else we didn't cover when we think about the community or 3D printing? Anything else we didn't cover that if somebody was listening to this needs to know? Well, first of all, let's talk about the printer itself. I hear a lot of people always saying, "Well, you know, you I need a big print bed. I need this to be big," and. The first thing I say to anybody that's going to be buying a 3D printer is, what are you going to print on it? That seems to be the question because if, depending on certain types of bed, like I have an Ender 3, which is made by Creality. 
It has a 235 by 235 bed. I believe the build height is 300 millimeters. So if I remember correctly, 300? I believe it's 300. And that allows me to be able to print 300 up and the bed is a square. Mostly that bed is perfect for anything I print. Also, it matters on price. What is your price plan? How much did you want to spend? And, you know, if someone says, well, you know, I money's not an option, then fine, I'll point them to Prusa. If they say that's too much, then I point them down to the Chinese printers. Because, number one, we got to watch it with Chinese printers because some Chinese printers, um, roughly all of them, don't have something called thermal runaway. Thermal runaway is very important. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever looked up this, but type in ANET A8 fire in Google pictures. You'll see people that burn their houses down. Oh, yikes. These printers have no security and have no safety features on them. Hmm. So they get hot to a certain point. Cartridge falls out, hits something, poof, fire. Oh, wow, yeah. Look at some of the pictures. They're just in in melt stuff. Mm -hmm. All right. So thermal runaway is one of the things. And I always tell everybody, when you get a new printer, put in firmware that has thermal runaway, and that's easy enough to find. And that's a whole different story. Once that's in there, then you can print to your heart's content. Some prints will take you uh, hours. Some prints can take you over days. I had a print that took four days to print. And it was uh, half of the shield for Zelda, for someone that wanted to print the shield. Found an STL of it, started printing. First print, four hours. Next print was another four. Sorry, first print was four days. Next print was another four days. Hmm. It's just because how big it was. Mm -hmm. So I had the whole arm length, the whole wideness. But be prepared to know that, you know, these prints can sometimes take forever. Take sometimes a while. They Do, are they very loud? Like when, when it's running, is it a pretty loud machine? Yes, they are. Okay. Um, but there are ways to make it quiet too. Um, if you have a... Now, Creality has been really cool because they just put out a new board. And that 1.1.4 board has something called we call Tremanic Drivers. And traumatic drivers make your stepper motors quiet. When you fire up a printer that doesn't have it, you'll hear it ring. It'll, it like sings. Like if I'm doing circular, you're here. Can be annoying. Mm -hmm. With traumatic drivers, silence. Hmm. You don't hear the driver. You don't hear the gears turning. You don't hear the stepper drivers trying to turn the mortar, trying to turn, move the bed and everything else it is actually very quiet. But when you're looking at a printer, what is your price range and how much do you want to be tinkering yeah. with it yeah. would be the best answer. Anything we should definitely avoid on printers? Are there any that are kind of known in the market like, oh, man, this company's been selling these. People are buying them because they're cheap and they're just they're not worth it at all. Yes, there are. A few. <laughs> <laughs> Anything from China, I'm guessing. Is they're that all from China. OK, uh, do not buy Troxy's. Um, I've had Troxy XY. So that's T-R-O. X, Y. Okay. They are, uh, I, I, every time I got one, it's been nothing but headaches trying to rewire it and make it work. Creality, been pretty good. Like I said, watch out for the firmware. They're probably one of the better of the three. And 
whatever you do, if you buy an ANET printer, please, please, please do not. I know they look cheap. They look great. Like they're 50 to 100 bucks. I understand that. But there's going to be problems that you're going to run into that if you're if you're new to it, please don't. I recommend the Ender 3 is a new printer, the Ender 5. They are your, basically your best printers to go with right now. Um, if you want to look cheap. If you want to spend the money, definitely get Prusa. Hands down. It's the way to go. Good the final price is pretty good, too. Oh, I was going to say, Tajoski is asking. Uh, Joe's asking in the chat room. So uh, he assumes, or is it true, is Monoprice just rebranded something else? Is it a white label kind of printer that they sold to Monoprice? Yeah, Monoprice is, when, is from what I know, let me just pull up their thing. I know that they have one printer. I'm not even sure where that printer came from, which is known as the Monoprice Mini. I have no idea what brand that could be. We're thinking it's Geek Tech. A couple other people have said it's something else. But the Monoprice Mini, we're not even sure where that one came from. The other two printers that they have, uh, the Monoprice Select, and I think it's the Monoprice Select Plus, are Wenhao printers. Uh, Wenhao is another 3D printer company. They're okay. Um, now, the Delta, which is the one that has the three arm, which has like three spouts that connect to it. That Delta printer, I have no idea who that came from. It looks familiar to the FL Suns, one of their printers, but I'm not 100% sure if that is from there. It looks cool. Yeah, 160 bucks. Yeah. Can't yeah. go wrong with them. Yeah. But the mini, I will warn you, is the Banshee, as my friend calls it. <laughs> it is so loud and whines so much. That drives my friend crazy. Yeah. But then again, you get what you pay for. Right. Hey, you had shown before we go uh, and run out of time, you had shown a little black box earlier and said something about NASA. We can't, we can't let you go without you showing this thing. So pull that thing out. What do you got there? This is NASA's own print that they put out on the net that you can download. This is called the CubeSat. The idea of a Cube satellite is to be a small satellite that they can throw off the ISS <laughs> and no, that's how they want these things. <laughs> I love the mental image of that. So it was like, all right, yeah. whoosh. Get out and that's there. what they do. They actually yeah. aim and they throw it. And what it's supposed to do is get information. And then as it falls down back to earth, it just burns up and uh, becomes nothing. Oh, okay. Kind of a disposable satellite. And, and that's the actual thing. size of one. That is well, similar to one of those sizes, yeah. Okay, it's not like a scaled down version. Ho hopefully, that thing comes in fast. I mean, you would want to—you don't want that thing spinning around up there, seventeen thousand miles an hour for too long. Yeah, it's pretty well, small and might be hard to track. They usually last about six months to a year. Wow, that's longer than I would have thought. Yeah, and they do track it. NASA does. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, one satellite that's kind of interesting in the three D, not because three D printed, because I'm also have a love for amateur radio was something called SuitSat-1. SuitSat-1 was actually a mini satellite that was launched into space inside an old Cosmonauts flight suit. And what it would do is it would broadcast on the 2 megahertz, uh, was it 200 megahertz? Yeah, 200, no, 2. Yeah, broadcast on a 2-watt system that if anybody that had a handy walkie-talkie unit like that we that you see like policemen and everybody else walk around with, 
you'd punch in a code and you listen for that station to be broadcasting. And what it would have, it would have a special message on it. It'd also do slow scan television, which would display a picture. And it'll tell you how much battery power was left in the satellite and what temperature was in space. Hmm. Interesting. And it broadcasted this all the time and had a special message. You can look them up. If you type in SuitSat 1 in Google, you'll find out all the information of it. And there was AirSat 1, which was another satellite that they built, which was like a triangle, which they also launched off the International Space Station, which the whole uh, ham community used also. I'm sorry. Just this image of a, you know, you it's NASA, right? And you kind of think in space station, they're doing things. Everything's everything's planned, everything's organized, and then some guy goes out there and just chucks it, you know. Well, off you, the space you, station. One guy, he's holding it, and he's just like going, "Okay, go." Yeah, wait yeah, me yeah. off, and it just yeah. you just see the thing spinning, and it goes. You oh, that's know. cool. Yeah, stays up there for a little bit. So, Mike, uh, you, have you bought a printer already? Do you got one? Uh, I was looking there? around on them. I have not purchased one yet. I might wait. Hannah always says I never have any, you know, ideas no, for Christmas so time and things I like know. that. So That's maybe I actually game. do wait. And and who knows? I mean, so last thing, just wrapping up real quick here. Are things um, are things progressing? fast enough that you know between now and let's say december right around christmas time are, are we going to see some new models come out are things kind of at a at a slow point right now with progression on especially the hardware that you need hmm yes and yes there's always new printers coming out every year um sorry someone just posted like ender three i'm it's has something else to do but anyways um as we're going on with um printers themselves they're always they're always changing there's always a new one out there there's always a new machine out there that everybody wants to get their hands on but um as it goes sales they're happening all the time like in china um november the 11th 11 11 singles day that's when printers go way down I bought my Ender 3, which is about $200 Canadian. I was able to snag that for $150 US. Wow. Which worked out to do, but which worked out under $200 Canadian with shipping. And that was shipped within three days. I had the printer. Yeah. The Ender 3 right now on Amazon, $229. Yep. And honestly, if you were to pick that up right now, I'd say you would have a fun time with it. There's tons, and this is what really makes me happy, and I've been wanting to get into it, but because Canadian laws are so bad out here with having drones, you want pizza parts for your drone? Yeah. You're fine. You can print anything for your That's a good point. With my drone, I could definitely print out a lot of stuff for that. You you can't afford not to have one, Mike. You can build the little speedy (laughs) drones that people do racing with easily because you have all 3D printed parts available. Your router, your body, your propellers, your uh, landing gear, depending on how you want to set up your landing, uh, payload storage. It's really going to save me money in the long term. Oh, right? totally. I mean, it really, it's, I mean, it's, it's... You, got, you better pick it up now. I mean, I'm just saying. You better you better get, get a hold of one now. That way we can start a print, smoke a cigar, come back. Yeah, right? Change the prime. I mean, we've got to have something going. You can't just... Sit out, stand outside, and smoke a cigar. You got to get a three D print job going. So you might have to do that. Yeah, yeah. Take a peek next week. Yeah, Ron. <laughs> thanks for 
thanks for coming on. We've been trying to make this happen for a while, and uh, the conditions were just right that uh, you sent me those coins this uh, last week. And uh, I was like, we just got to get you on and talk about this thing, Ron. Thanks for taking around. Do you want to? You want to? Um, you want to hang around? I, I've got some thank you stuff I've got to cover with the community. You want to stay? I'll or stay uh, okay, okay, hang around. Hang out there, and we'll do that. But, Ron, thanks for for coming on and doing that. Ron, if folks wanted to chat with you, get involved in this community, what's the easiest and best ways to find you? Best way to find me would be on, uh, let's go to YouTube, YouTube Canadian Maker Project. That's where I live and breathe. You can also find me on Twitter, Canadian Maker PR, because I can't type the full word project. <laughs> <laughs> so too, too many letters your pr what uh, yeah <laughs> you know? well, it's good it works in that case and do you have a new podcast coming out i am working on a new show right now we're not ready to launch as of yet but uh it's going to be a podcast covering makers and other influencers out there in youtube or anywhere else and you know hopefully once we're able to get our show up and going i'll have some interviews and uh ready to share them with the world all right super cool uh, great stuff. I think uh, by the time I get through this bit, Uyghur will have his 3D printer ordered. Yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll come to back to it. Mike, uh, I do. So Joe is in the chat room. Tajoski, we know him kind of as uh, in the chat room. He he was down south in Mexico and uh, in Belize, I think is what he said. And he found uh, some and sent us back uh, some nice. These are Gurkha Seller yeah. Reserve 12, right? These things have been aged for 12 years. I am ready for that. Yeah, this is this is pretty great, Joe. Thanks. What do you for, got going on tonight after the show? I, I could drive over. Actually. <laughs> yeah, you could drive over. We I, could wait, tonight. wait a minute. You have tomorrow off. I have tomorrow off. We could finish I mean, watching the finals game. We could, uh, you know, yeah. This could happen. I'm just all saying. Right, all right. It's, it's very possible this could happen. So, Joe sent us a couple, and uh, and Joe, we will uh, first of all thank you for doing that. I appreciate that. I uh, I opened them at work, and I said I got the greatest friends on the planet. Some of them send me coins like this. Some of it, which is awesome, by the way. Like this is super cool that Ron, that you took the time to make this based on Home Gadget Geeks. Some send cigars, which is super cool, and then. Ed Sullivan, not not the Ed Sullivan that you're thinking of, but another listener. His name is Ed. Ed said, "What kind of cigars do you smoke?" So I was telling him, he's like, "Oh, you need to get you. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you some because I kind of I've been smoking a lot of the flavored stuff lately." And so he sent over uh, uh, a Byron Reserve Five. Uh, those are these, Mike, right here. He sent two. I have two. Ooh. One for you. One for me. And so Ed, thanks for sending those as well. We if you're into cigars and uh, you want to send us, we're gonna we're gonna kind of review these one at a time. We won't smoke them at the same time, but this will give me an excuse to go over to Uyghurs. Like I said, I may go over. I mean, are you serious? I mean, yeah, yeah. Because the game is I'm on, down. right? Finals yeah, the game's on. on. It's it's, I think this, it's almost halftime. Is this game six or game seven? Game six, but six. Okay. Uh, Toronto could win it because they're know. up three three one. Okay, or three two. Sorry, three two. Very very possible. So Ed, thank you for sending those. We'll do that as well, and then come back and talk about it on the show. And then Ed, Mike, I've been, I, I showed that acrylic. Uh, I could probably, maybe I could make a 3D, a 3D printed humidor. Ron, probably wouldn't, 3D printing would probably not make the best humidor. I'm assuming those things are pretty porous, right? Humidity traveling in and out of that stuff, or do you think you could seal it up pretty well? That's yeah, hard to say. Yeah. Maybe. You have, think, you have to think about that one. You know what I could use? I could, listen, a guy says to another guy who just sent him a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff, but. <laughs> is uh, is a portable like a, a a portable cigar carrier so that when i'm 
taking it. Um, Ed sent me actually, so just, just so you know, Ed sent me this nice little cigar bag as well that zips up here and you can put the cigars in the side inside and take them with you as you go. So I'm like, oh, that's what I'll, you I'll do tonight. But Ed was giving me some tips in, uh, on, on, uh, on the humidifier or the keeping the right humidity. And he, the, he always says those, uh, the analog, um, uh, I've lost the name of the, the, what we call these things. I want to say humostats, but that's not what they're called. They are high, hygrometers. There we go. They're hygrometers. They, um, they're not very good. The ones that kind of come stock on them. And he said, you got to buy one. So I bought an Oasis caliber four, 20 bucks off Amazon, threw it in there. And sure enough, the analog one was off. Well, at least by, according to that one, by about 10 10%. So 70 was 80 and uh, 80 was not what we wanted. We really just wanted 70. Um, so if I'd been 70, it would have been 60, which wouldn't have been great because you want your cigars around 70. So Ed, thanks again. We're trying this out. Temperature and humidity. That's in there, relative humidity. And I think, Micah, we've got my cigars now at 68%. So we're getting pretty close. He said, Jim. Right to perfect. Yeah, he said, Jim, stop obsessing about the humidity. (laughs) Because I was, I kept sending him notes back and forth. Ed and I were talking. I'm like, okay, well, what about this? What about that? He's like, quit obsessing about the humidity. (laughs) It'll be fine. Your, Your cigars will be fine. So, um, so Ed, thanks for, he, he, he did say he's the one, one of the few who enjoys it when we talk about cigars. I moved it to the end of the show and I'll tell Joe, you've heard me talk about this. Uh, Joe and Ed will tell him it's at the end of the show. But uh, if you're interested in doing that, just contact me. Let me know. I uh, appreciate that. That's super cool to be able to get those kinds of things. And uh, and appreciate it as well. Mike, how's that? Uh, that's pretty great, isn't it? Al, that's some- fantastic. I love you guys are great. You yeah, listeners have been uh, fantastic. Got some pretty uh, great listeners. And, of course, we appreciate uh, what you guys do every week. Don't forget, if you want to support the show, I will um, – I'm thinking I'm thinking like the – I don't have a $3 plan. So my thought is maybe on Patreon, 3 bucks, uh, and I'll ship you one. Uh, it'll have an address section on there where I need your address to get it to you. We'll figure out the international shipping and all those other good things. And uh, we will take Ron's art and get these shipped around the world to you kind of cool and then the only thing i ask maybe take a picture uh of where you're at something local with you doing it and that way i can share it with ron ron you'd probably think that's pretty cool to see these kind of show up around the world don't you think? Oh, definitely yeah no pretty cool so get that done and you can stay on patreon as long as you want or a month or whatever i don't care uh, it just kind of helps uh, keep track of things and we'll get that set up sometime this weekend so if you're listening to this right away check patreon uh or check TheAverageGuy.tv slash Patreon for that $3 plan. If it's not there, it just means I haven't got it set up yet. And you can come back in the next couple of days and check it. Don't forget to join us on Discord, TheAverageGuy.tv slash Discord. We'll get that done. If you want to send me an email, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. We'll get you there as well. And we appreciate those guys who uh, and gals who contact me all the time with questions or mostly just encouragement. I always appreciate that. Always, always good to hear from you. Um, don't forget the average guy.tv platform, both web and media hosting powered by Maple Grove partners, get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people that you know, and you trust. Of course, you know, that's Christian. You can get more information. Plans start as little as 10 bucks. And that guy is rocking. I haven't had a downtime in forever. Oh, I just jinxed it. Sorry, Christian. (laughs) Check it out. Maplegrovepartners.com. We are here every Thursday, 8 PM central, nine Eastern. Uh, you're like, wait a minute, Jim, you didn't talk about HelloFresh. Uh, I didn't, and I'm not gonna this time. Uh, Sammy is talking about coming back on. She's 
she has figured out a whole bunch of uh, kitchen gadgets that she's using with HelloFresh. Tonight, so she had me convinced to do the segment, and then not tonight, but another night. And tonight she was like, I don't know, Dad. So I'm kind of hoping, I don't know, if you want to hear Sammy come on and talk about some of the gadgets she uses, send me an email, jim at theoutageguy.tv. But uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Well, stay around for a smidgen of post-show. I'm, I'm kind of contemplating putting my shoes back on and heading out to see Uyghur. So we may not be around too much longer. Um, uh, John Biggs wanted me to chat a little bit about some of the crypto stuff. We may or may not do that. But uh, thanks for coming out tonight. With that, we'll say goodnight, everybody.